I remember having sweaty palms and a dry mouth when I was told we are going out to soul winning as a young person believer. We would hit the streets and share with the strangers the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I was so scared. What do I say? What if they ask a question I cannot answer? What if they aren't convinced? Sharing your faith can be exciting, but it also can be pretty scary. In this episode of Groundwork, we want to talk about the importance of sharing our faith, as well as some methods that could actually help us to obey the commission to make disciples. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, this is the fourth and final episode of our series called Sharing Your Faith. Mm -hmm. And in the first episode, we talked about the ascension and the Great Commission to go make disciples. And in the second, we talked about the importance of sharing our faith. And in the third episode, we talked about the power, the conduit, the Holy Spirit who gives us the juice to actually get that done. And this is the episode where we want to talk about how-tos and the practical application. Exactly. And we said in the last episode where uh, that we really centered on the, that story of Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit came in power and allowed first the apostles, uh, the disciples turned apostles, to share the faith and now allows us to do that. This is really the job of every Christian, uh, to be authentic, transparent witnesses to Jesus. And one of the things we said at the conclusion of the third episode, right before this one, is that knowing that it's the Spirit who works through us is reassuring, it's comforting, it ought to take, you, you said in the introduction here, Daryl, how scary it can be to share our faith. But it's a little less scary when we know it's the spirit in us that gets this done. We're not graded on our own cleverness. We're not, you know, sent to seminars to learn, you know, some perfect technique. And if we miss a step, it's on us. No, it really is finally about the spirit through us. I'm so glad that it is the spirit's power that works in us because I don't know if I can muster up enough power or energy or anything to get that done correctly. And I'm glad, too, that it's not just the minister's job to share our faith, but it is everyone's job. And the Holy Spirit gives us what we need. I just wanted to point out one thing, Scott, is that. We don't need to wait and sit back because God has a predestined plan. You know, we always say God has a plan for your life. Some people use that as a way to not witness. They're saying, well, God's going to save who he's going to save. But we actually have been given a direct order to go and make disciples, which we see here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to verses 10, chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then chapter 10. Then Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So we see that Jesus has compassion on the people. And then he asked them to pray to the Lord of the harvest and then uses the disciples as the answer to that prayer. And compassion, I believe, is the first step to sharing your faith. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. John 9, verse 36 that verse right there, Daryl, gives us a key component of the compassion that, as you just said, is the necessary forerunner, the necessary condition, the necessary first step, whatever you want to call it, to want it to witness. And that is that you see people. Uh, every time in the Gospels, I think, that when we're told Jesus has compassion, the first thing you read is when he saw—so seeing— 
yeah. is the first step of compassion. You're not going to have compassion on people that you're blind to, right. people you ignore, people on the margins. You have to see them as precious images of God, worthy of your love and worthy of hearing the gospel. Seeing is the first step of compassion. And you see that Jesus not only sees people, but he teaches the disciples and everyone in the room to see people. I'm thinking about the woman who anointed his feet with oil and her hair wiped off the oil and with her tears. And he says, do you see this woman? Mm. And he makes everyone in the room have compassion. Well, he has the compassion, but he wants them to see her. I think that being able to understand the compassion means to suffer with someone, to have the empathy, to have to care about something that's going on in someone's life. You can't share your faith unless you have compassion on someone. When I was a, a kid, I remember reading some verses, uh, what I thought said that he had bowls of mercy, but actually it was wrong. It's actually bowels of mercy <laughs> in the King James, because in the Greek, uh, this word compassion means it's in your guts. Mm-hmm. It's like you have a gut reaction because you're, you so care. And, and right, as you said, you, you have to see them and you have to be moved. So the first thing in compassion is you see and you see them as worthy, and then the second step is you move in. Uh, And in this case, we move in with the word of the gospel. You're not gonna share the gospel with somebody you don't see, and you're not gonna share the gospel with somebody you don't care about. You have to do both. Yeah, you see that also in Jesus in John chapter 11, where Lazarus has died and he goes in four days after he's already dead. Everybody's grieving. And it says that he is moved with compassion. Mm. That's when he wept. Right. But then that movement of compassion actually compelled him to do something about it. So when we care more about people and less about how our preoccupied we are with ourselves, what we might say, what we might do, what if we mess this up? What if it isn't perfect? If we have more compassion on the person that we're going to speak to or even listen to, then if that outweighs our fear of being preoccupied with ourselves, I believe that can actually give us to what we need to share our faith with someone. You know, there were times, including in, in, in Matthew 9 that we just read, but you can think of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, or you can think of when uh, in Matthew 15, when the Canaanite woman came up to Jesus and they were in, in this land of all these Canaanites. So sometimes Jesus and the disciples went through parts of the Palestine there that weren't occupied by Jews. They were Samaritans. They were Gentiles, Canaanites. And the disciples saw those people as worthless, right? Like, ah, let's get out of here. You know, or the Canaanite woman, send her away, Mm -hmm. Jesus. She's just bothering us, you know. But Jesus saw them as fields ripe for the harvest, you know. So Jesus says, look around you. The, The fields are ripe for harvest. The disciples say, no, they aren't. We don't see anything. Jesus says, look again, look again, look again. Every person is a worthy candidate to hear the good news of salvation. And it's beautiful because all of that motivation for Jesus to do something comes from his love and compassion for the people. When there are thousands of people in the crowd when he's getting ready to feed the 5,000, he says he's moved with compassion. He can't send them away. He doesn't want to send them away, even though the disciples are saying, you got to get rid of these people. So we need compassion in order to share our faith. That's the first thing. And in this next segment, we want to give you another key to sharing your faith. So stay tuned. What's the Bible all about? It's a beautiful story of redemption. Sin brought struggle and death into the world God created. His love, however, is so beautiful that it reaches beyond our sin through the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus calls us to follow him in a beautiful life of service. What's more, 
we look forward to the day when Jesus will return and the beauty of God's creation will be restored. Join today in June for a series of devotions titled, The Bible, The Story of Beauty. Refresh, refocus, and renew at todaydevotional.com. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork and this final episode in a four-part series on sharing our faith. And Daryl, we were just saying from the example of Jesus in the Gospels that if we want to share our faith, step one is compassion. You have to see the other person as worthy of your witness, worthy of receiving the good news of the gospel. But that's not the last step, only the first one. It's definitely the first one. We need the compassion for the heart for the loss. But there are other keys that are involved as well. One is obedience and the other is courage or boldness. Now, what we we understand that God gives a command. It's not something optional. It's not something that we think we could do whenever we get around to it. It's actually something God wants us to obey. If he calls us to something, then we need to go. Just like he did in Acts chapter 10 when Peter was praying. And like you alluded to in the last episode, that that God sent Peter to Cornelius's house. And it's not kosher for a Jew to hang out in the Gentile's house or even go in that direction. But because he was compelled in a dream that God gave him that he needs to go, he obeyed that call and God blew his mind with what happened next. Which is a good reminder to us to never count anybody out. Don't say to yourself, well, there's no sense in sharing the gospel with Jill at work. I mean, she's so anti-religious. She'd never buy into my faith. I'm not going to tell Jill about that. And No, don't count anybody out. Or, well, they're so different from us, you know, or, you know, for Peter in, in Acts 10, well, they aren't Jews. Right. <laughs> they're Italians. They don't keep kosher. The gospel can't be for them. But, of course, he found out, as we said in the uh, previous episode, that when he preached a mini version of the same sermon he preached on Pentecost in Acts 2, when he did that with Cornelius's household in Acts 10, same thing happened. Holy Spirit blew in and converted all those people on the spot. And so Peter said, well, there's no reason not to baptize them. So let's baptize them. So he did. So you never know. Don't count anybody out. It's beautiful because God is working on both sides of the equation. That's one thing that is really powerful to see that you never know if God is actually preparing that person's heart for when you come in and share your faith. You never know because, I mean, the scripture tells us that one plants a seed, one waters a seed, but God is the one that gets the increase. And you never know how God might be already working in the heart of that person. And the other thing is about your point to never counting people out. In 1 Samuel 16, we learned that God doesn't look at the outer appearance. God mm. looks at the heart. And we need not look at the outer appearance of other people or what they've got, their social economic status or whatever, their right, abilities, right. their ethnicity. We need to look at what God is looking at, which is the heart of the person. And that will move us to compassion to continue to serve. And so it's really crazy how we see God moving when we are obedient. Exactly. So we have compassion, uh, we're obedient, we, we go where God wants us to go, and then we need some courage and boldness. And if we go into back to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, you know, Peter and John and the other disciples, they regularly get intimidated, sometimes by their fellow Jews on the Sanhedrin council. Sometimes they're going to get arrested and get thrown in jail for a time. But, you know, in Acts chapter 4, they're detained and they're, and they're questioned and they try to intimidate these people not to talk about the gospel But then in Acts 4.23, we read, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. But now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed... The place where their meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Scott, it's just a couple of things that really stuck out to me when you're reading that verse is that the first is that they did receive opposition. Right. So don't believe that it's always going to be smooth sailing. If you're going to share your faith with right. anyone, you may encounter opposition yep. and that it comes with it. It's par for the course that we're going to receive some opposition sometimes. But the prayer was that you would help us, God, and God's answer was to make them bold. So right when we're there. afraid to share our faith. That's what we ask God for. Say, God, could you give us courage? God, could you give us boldness? Are you afraid to share your faith? Sometimes I am. Good. Pray. God, help us. We need you to give us the courage to continue to share our faith. Right. So they don't respond to this intimidation by the chief priests and the elders are saying, well, we tried. Oh, well. I guess we're done. We're done. Uh, Let's go home. No, they didn't shrink back. They said, well, uh, I guess what we really need to do here is be more bold. <laughs> We're probably going to get into more trouble. But, oh, God, you know, give us the power. Uh, and so they did. So, you know, we, we have to see people as worthy and compassion. We have to obey God's command to approach these worthy people. And we're going to need a little bit of courage. We're going to need a little bit of boldness to carry it out because God wants to use us. And God is always looking to send us where we're needed. And as we said, I think, earlier in this episode, Daryl, you know, in the book of Acts, nobody can keep up with the Holy Spirit. We said that in the <laughs> of the last episode, too. The Spirit pops up all over the place. It happens again in Acts chapter 8, where Philip uh, is suddenly, you know, taken to uh, go stand by a chariot that he sees by the sign of the road. And, and we don't have time to read the whole story, but it's the Ethiopian eunuch who's got a scroll of Scripture. Who knows where he got it? But he's got a scroll of Scripture. He's reading something from Isaiah. He can't understand it. So the Spirit of God says to Philip, go over there, see what happens. And Philip says, what are you reading? And he tells him, and the guy says, but I, I don't understand it. Can you explain it? Sure, Philip says, and he does. And the eunuch gets saved. Boom. The Holy Spirit again. And then at the end of the story, Philip disappears because the Spirit transports him, beams him over to someplace else where he's going to be needed. Once the Holy Spirit got rolling in the book of Acts, amazing things happened, popping up all over the place with the least likely candidates you could imagine. It's a beautiful thing, Scott. We see that with compassion for people and committed obedience to the call and courage that God gives, he can use people mightily. And we also see that he's looking for people, whoever's available to use, that's who God wants to use. You never know. He might use you at your break room. He might use you in your um, golf course. He might use you at the soccer game. Are you available and attentive to an opportunity where God might want to use you to speak into someone's life and bless someone else? That is really powerful because God wants to position us. So as we wrap up this series, we want to talk more about uh, some practical ways to share your faith, so stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. 
If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. End of this four-part series here, Daryl, we've looked at the Great Commission. We've looked at the meaning of the Ascension, the meaning of Pentecost. In this episode, we've seen that we need compassion and obedience and boldness to go and share our faith with the people around us and to not count anybody out. The apostles in Acts kept running into Ethiopians and Italians and all kinds of people they didn't think could ever believe in Jesus, and then they did. So don't count anybody out. But we need to get practical now as we bring this whole series in for a landing, Daryl, and just talk about some practical ways by which this happens. Yes, Scott. So it's interesting, too, that when God uses those components of being compassionate and being obedient and being bold, and that he wants us to be available whenever he wants to use us as a vessel, it's really interesting to see that over time that people are coming up with many different ways to share your faith, like Romans Road or Two Questions from Evangelism Explosion. And there's a lot of different ways that people could get trainings on these things. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was the fact that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, which comes from Revelation twelve eleven, And the fact that we all have a story Even if we haven't had all the specific training, we have a story. And to be able to develop that story, to be able to have a five-minute version, a 10-minute version, a 20-minute version, to be able to share it with people at different times, you never know how God could use your own personal testimony, which really can't be refuted by anyone. If you share your testimony of what God has done, it could encourage someone. And the important thing, I think, to note in what you just said, Daryl, is that it is your story. Right. I mean, it's not somebody else's story. We can't witness to people by telling about how Billy Graham came to the faith or no, we got to tell how Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney came to the faith and what my story is. So that also, by the way, ought to lower our, our blood pressure and lower our anxiety a little bit. We can all tell our own story. It's, that should be the easiest thing in the world to tell your story. Tell what you know. Tell what's in your heart. And you know what's interesting to me, Scott, is that even though I know that, I still get nervous. I know. Every time I feel like, oh, maybe God wants me to share my story with this person. May I may know them. I may not know them. I get intimidated immediately. And that is an indicator that I'm supposed to do it because the enemy would not want me to share my testimony of what God has done in my life, right? So he wants to shut me up and shut me down. But I don't give in to that pressure to fold or to not speak in that moment. I speak with the intimidation. They're asking God for boldness and courage to say it anyway. And I think that God has blessed because we were willing and obedient to go. And sometimes I've done that right and sometimes I haven't, but the intimidation is always an indicator that I might need to share it anyway. Right. And I think our opportunities to share our faith or witness, I think it, I think it emerges best when it emerges naturally, right? I mean, nobody 
I mean, I, I wouldn't like this and you don't like this. I mean, what, what's one of the reasons that we are always crazy about getting phone calls from a telemarketer <laughs> uh, or back in the day of, you know, door-to-door salesmen, right, uh, when those things used to happen? Well, one of the reasons that we, you know, don't take the call or we hang up or something is because we're not, you know, we're just we're just a customer. We're, we're just being treated as a mark. You know, we're, we're just an excuse to sell a product. People don't want to just feel like, you know, we're the next notch uh, on our Bible, right? They want to know that you're genuinely interested in them as a person. And so, you know, when conversations arise naturally, it's somebody maybe you already have a relationship with at work or somebody you sit by on the train on a fairly regular basis when you're commuting into work or whatever it may be. If people sense that your your interest in them is genuine just in general and human sheer human terms and that you're not just, you know, looking to target them for something special, that's when they're probably going to be the most open to hear our story and then maybe ask their questions about Jesus or religion or the Bible or whatever it might be. I think people can smell it a mile away when you have a hidden agenda. Right. I know that I can smell it a mile away when someone wants to sell me something and it really turns me off almost immediately. But then like if we follow the scripture, we will understand that the natural person, it says this in first Corinthians, a natural person who doesn't have the Mm -hmm. spirit understands natural things. They can't understand spiritual things. So you have to walk through that process to understand that you might need to start in a natural place. Okay. What's the weather today or how are you doing or something just very general that any natural person can answer. And then you have to, to swing to the spiritual by asking something like, I don't know where, do you know where I could worship around here? Is there any churches you know about? Or um, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Just kind of a thing that starts in the natural, swings to the spiritual. And that's where it's risky because then if they're not trying to hear anything religious or anything Christian, they could give you a little bit of a um, backlash or rebuttal mm-hmm. or something. And that's part of the persecution, but it's also normal to happen. As Jesus himself made clear, There is an offense to the gospel message itself, and some people are going to recoil from that message and be offended by it no matter what we do. That's true. But that doesn't mean that we personally should be offensive. Uh, Let the offense be in the message, not the messenger, right? Oh, that's good. Right. I mean, there's no there's no reason to behave badly or to treat somebody badly. And then they say, oh, that person was offended by the gospel. No, they were offended by you. <laughs> um, treat them like a normal person and be a normal person yourself. Be interested in their lives. Maybe maybe they told you their dog died. Maybe they shared something you know sad or, or good. Maybe, you know, an achievement of one of their kids or grandkids, you know, talk about that uh, and establish a relationship in the context of which then God will, by the spirit, also give you the words you need to say to bring in your faith and how your faith operates for you on an everyday level as a normal human being. When you said that about how they tell you what's going on in their lives, you really get a peep into their soul because sometimes people have not had anyone who with sincerity who actually cares listen to them. So when you ask them questions and you really care and you're coming from that compassionate heart, which they could feel, then they might start opening their lives up to you. Hey, I just lost my dad or I'm really nervous about this job interview or whatever's happening. And that's opportunities where you could actually testify to what God has done to encourage you in your life. And, you know, sometimes the conversation will be deep and sometimes it will not be deep. But then, you know, the part that really makes some people nervous is whether they do we close the deal here. Do you you pray with me right now? Sometimes that happens and you get to obey the prompting, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And then you ask God to, hey, listen, I brought it to this place and I've been obedient as I could and I trust you with the next step. 
So we, we've said, just to kind of recap, we need compassion. We need to see all people as worthy of our love and of our being interested in their lives, all persons as being worthy of hearing the good news of the gospel, and then with obedience and with boldness, and now we've been saying in this last part of the program, with genuineness, mm-hmm. with sincerity, we get to know people, and we show them that we, we love them. We love them even before they say yes to the gospel. Uh, it's out of love that we share the gospel. Throughout this whole series, Dara, we have said it is finally the Holy Spirit of God who gets all the glory every time a soul gets saved. So thanks be to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.